0: Good morning. morning. Good morning. morning. Um, I didn't really want to leave the, the prayer moment there for a minute. But um, so I know some of you guys will go see if I do it. So <laughs> I'm going to leave that. And the next thing. this morning, we're going to be in Second Timothy. If you have a Bible with you, you can flip there if you can see it. Um, if you can't, they've got some lots back here they can plug in. We've, we've improved our facilities this week. Amazing. Man, I'm so excited to be here this morning. Um, trying to collect my thoughts before I start going, because it, it could be rough if I don't. Um, isn't it good when you're just too excited to come out of worship to do much of
1: anything? Take yeah. a breath.
0: uh uh-huh. so this morning we're gonna be in Second Timothy if you have your word you can slip there we're gonna continue a series we started, uh, I guess, three weeks ago now, called Going for Gold, and uh, just like the Olympics are wrapping up today, uh, make some of you guys sad, maybe, uh, the series is also wrapping up today, so that's cool. I didn't even know the Olympics for three weeks, so it totally got me. Uh, I just watching
1: them but really on TV, but,
0: um, man, uh, so excited about this, and I've uh, been looking forward to this morning's message, kind of, for the past few weeks, as we as into that, But if you've not been around, um, the series Going for Gold is a series, I'll be honest, it's uh, shamefully inspired by the Olympics. Um, I love the Olympics. I don't know if anybody's with me on that. I know a couple of you guys are. Me and Tommy, we're the Olympics gross. Um, and uh, it's maybe surprising looking at me that I would like anything that has anything to do with sports. If you know me, uh, the other three years, and uh, what is it, 15 or 40 748 weeks. I don't even turn on the TV to look at sports. I don't care about sports. Um, I watch cartoons because I'm an adult and the news all the time. I'm, I'm the most boring TV watcher in the world. Um, but in, in, during this time, the Olympics, I will watch anything that comes on. It's amazing. I, I watched basketball for the first time a couple of days ago. Just up to once twice, but Not many times. Um, that's an amazing thing. Um, I watched water polo. What is that? Um, <laughs> I what are they doing. I watched the Filipino Divers. They're my favorite uh, so far. Uh, we've been for for years and years. And years. Um, um, but what I love about the Olympics is not so much the sports, because again, I'm not a sports guy, but the level of competition that's at the Olympics. It's, a, it's an amazing thing to me that people could actually even show up at the Olympics. Like You just can't decide to go there. Nick is like the buffest guy I know, but he can't just wake up and be like, I'm going to the Olympics today. Um, it's not going to happen. You have to actually, before you even get there, you have to be the best at whatever it is in your country, and then you go you know, somewhere across the world and you've got to be the best that there is in the whole world, and that's an amazing thing to me. America did pretty good at that, I'll just be honest. we got more, more gold medals than anybody, you can look it up, I look every 30 seconds. Um, it flashes on the back, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you. Um, but it's an amazing thing to me, just this level of competition that happens at the Olympics. And nobody goes to the Olympics thinking, I'm gonna go down there and just show up, and be awesome. I'm gonna be the guy walking at the back of the ski walk at the back of the track, because I want, I want front row seats to the race, so I'm gonna go and be in it and watch everybody else run it. It doesn't happen at the Olympics. Everybody that goes to the Olympics is going for the gold medal, they want to win. And they wouldn't show up if they didn't believe it was a possibility, I really believe that why do you think that? Well, because you can watch the documentaries of people that have wrapped their entire lives around this moment, this 30 seconds on the podium where they're going to play your national anthem and you're going to stand there and somebody's going to walk up and they're going to hang that medal on you. Isn't that crazy? Like early on in life, three, four years old, they start training for some sport that they're only going to be able to really be able to do for maybe, maybe 10 years at the most at that level. They spend... 20 years, getting ready to do something for maybe four years sometimes, or maybe even one time sometimes, because you don't know if you're going to be the best forever. Actually, you're not going to be the best forever. They, they move. Their families move. They have no social life. You can watch any of them. They all have that in common. They don't have any social life. Most of them, if you've ever had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, no, nope, not have time for that. But for some reason, they, they see that, man, this ten seconds, this this couple minutes of fame, this one time in the newspaper, this one time on TV, this is going to be worth it. That, that medal hanging around my neck for just a short time is going to be worth it. So they aim their whole life at that moment, and that's such a crazy thing for me. But I really can't find a better picture for you guys of really what it should look like to follow Jesus. Uh, that should be us. Actually, Paul even, even says all these athletes do this for a, a temporary, momentary crown, but we do it for an eternal one. If they're doing it for ten seconds of fame and we're doing it for eternity with God, man, what should our lives look like? Why shouldn't we come and wrap our lives around that moment with Jesus so we're going to, for the first time, stand before Him? And that's what we've been talking about the past few weeks. That's why I love this, this, this idea. And this morning we're going to do that in Second Timothy chapter 4. If you guys don't know much about this book, this is a letter written to a man named Timothy by a man named Paul. Uh, Paul wrote a lot of letters, actually. The second half of the book you're holding right now is written pretty much predominantly by a man named Paul. All the letters that started something to some church, that's was all Paul. Paul. Most of the theology, the things we believe, that all come out of Paul's relationship with Jesus. And this morning, this letter is written by that same man, but it's written not to a church, but to Timothy. This kind of maybe even obscure figure to most of us in the Bible. Timothy, um, if you look at chapter 1, Paul calls a beloved or most loved son. And Timothy's not actually Paul's son. Actually, they don't even meet till Paul converts to Christianity, and he's on his second missionary journey. You can read about that in Acts if you really, really want to. Uh, they don't even meet till then but Paul has such a different relationship with Timothy than he does anybody else on the planet it's, it's his best friend probably it's his, it's his protege his partner in prom he's the, he's the disciple that Paul was to have one this guy Timothy is that guy Paul poured an enormous amount of time in, into, into bringing Timothy up to follow in his footsteps and this letter was written at the end of Paul's life. This is the last letter we have from Paul. Written at the end of Paul's life for this man that he loved so deeply. And that's a unique perspective for us this morning. See, the truth of it is at the end of your life, what you don't have time for is to talk about sports. At the end of your life, what you don't have time for is to make chit-chat. At the end of your life, you don't have time to just fool around because you don't know how much time you have left. At the end of your life, you say the things that you really want to say and this is the perspective that this letter is written from while Paul is in prison and knowing he's never going to leave that place. In chapter 4, he actually starts out with just kind of an amazing thing that happens. It says, Before God in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom, I solemnly charge you, and he's about to give Timothy this mission, the charge is, is really just a, its a mission. It's a laying on of a burden. It's, it's giving someone a task. We're entrusting someone with something. What Paul is saying to Timothy here is, man, I'm about to give you something very, very special. I'm about to entrust you with something that means a whole lot. I'm about to lay in your hands and on your back a, a very, very, very sweet burden. I'm about to give you the best thing I can give you. See, Paul knows he's dying, and he knows that for him, his missionary journeys are over. He knows his church planning days are over. He knows that he's not going to be able to carry on this mission that he's carried on for years and years and years. And what he does in this moment is he finds the one that he's poured into the most, the one that he has faith in the most, the one that he loves kind of the most, and he says, hey, I believe in you. Can you imagine hearing that from Paul? Hey, I believe in you. And then saying, hey, I'm going to give you something. It's amazing to me the weight that he puts on it, though. He says, before God, I'm going to charge you with something. That's amazing. He's saying, that. with God as the witness here, sitting you know, sitting at the table with us, as I slide this contract across to you, I just want you to know God is watching. God knows what I'm about to lay on you. He says, also, Christ Jesus is here. So that's amazing. That's an amazing thing to set at the table with those guys, right? I'm going to give you this mission, not only before God, the creator of everything, but by Jesus' the son, the savior of everyone, I'm giving this mission before him, oh, by the way, who judges the living and the dead, so that's you, no matter which state you're in, he's judging you, um, and by his appearing, oh, by the way, he's coming back, so I just want you to know that before I give you this, he's going to be back here one day for a little look at this, and by his kingdom, he's actually still in charge right now. I solemnly charge you. I give you this burden. Can you imagine a more weightier burden at that moment? Like, what if I was like, "Hey Nick, um, you know, in front of God and Jesus, who judges the living and the dead, and His kingdom's coming and He's coming. I just want you to go park cars. You park cars like nobody's business to (laughs) me. Like, God is watching me. I'm doing this thing." See, what Paul knows is, is a very real thing, that Paul's not going to be around for a whole lot longer to check up on Timothy. He's not going to be around to come and supervise the work that Timothy's doing, but he wants to instill the seriousness of this mission. This is, this is not a mission that's like, hey, I, I just want you to make sure that you say hi to people as you walk down the road. It's not something like that light. He's about to lay on him this heavy and sweet burden, and he just wants him to know it's a real thing. This is not a plaything. This is the thing that I threw my whole life at. This is not a toy. This is amazing and good. And I'm putting it on you for you to actually go and do. It's not words of advice. I mean, it's a mission. And here's what he says he says, proclaim the message. Are you serious? The most important thing Paul could think of in the moment he was about to leave this place to lay on Timothy was this thing, proclaim the message. The thing that he felt the late should be there of, hey, God's watching you and Jesus is watching you and he judges the living and the dead and oh, by the way, he's coming back and he's in charge right now just in case you forgot. This is the thing that he says, proclaim the message. See, because the truth of it is, what we think the greatest commandment is from God is to go to church, Right? Oh, why didn't you say that? Like He's not going to go if you don't put it on there. Just put it right there on the top. Go to church. In front of God and Jesus, I just want you to know, go to church. He didn't waste time with that. Oh, read, read the Bible. That's surely the one, because we're not good at that. That's surely the one that you would put there, right? Like, hey, in front of God, in front of Jesus, who's coming back, and it's his kingdom, I just want you to know, you should read the Bible. He didn't waste time with that. The thing that he thought was the most important thing he could say to this guy, the charge that he thought he needed above everything else, wasn't the thing that we think is most important. It's the thing that God actually thinks is most important. It's the thing that Jesus said when before he left this planet, right? Matthew 28. I hope that's a book. I'm just kidding. Matthew 28. Before he leaves this place, before he ascends back up into heaven, he looks at the disciples and he's like, hey, i got something for you. Last thing, parting words, seriousness from the mouth of Jesus. He says, hey, go make disciples. Just reword that into Paul for the message. Go and tell people about Jesus. This is the thing. It's the most important thing that Jesus could think to say at the end of his life and the most important thing that Paul could think to say at the end of his life but the least important thing in the church, right? And here in this book, Paul doesn't pull punches, he doesn't make it easy to follow. He looks at Timothy and he says, Hey, I just want you to know how important this is before God and Jesus, who judges the living and the dead, who's coming back and the 15. now. I just want you to know the most important thing that you could keep doing for the rest of your life, the thing you could throw everything into, the thing that you should wrap everything around. It's the same thing that I wrapped everything around. Proclaim the message. People need to know. I mean, there's a world full of people here, and the message had not got out yet. It's not to everybody yet, and I just want you to know, Timothy, I didn't pour everything into you so that you could go to church. I pour everything into you so you could come after me. So here's the charge. Here's the burden. Here's the very, very sweet mission that I'm saying I believe you can do, proclaim the message. And I believe we could even say that. Maybe Timothy wrote us a letter this morning, right? Or Paul wrote us a letter this morning, right? Or any of these other guys this morning <laughs> about us a letter. I bet that would be talked already. Actually, Jesus was to write you a letter tonight. He did, by the way. Um, wouldn't that be the thing that you would say? With that seriousness? Proclaiming the message? He goes on. Actually, persist says, persistent. I love that word, persist. It's a word that means definition, stand firm, or obstinate in the face of something coming against you. What he's saying is when it gets tough, when it gets hard, when when someone comes against you, when you're preaching the message and people are throwing rocks at you, when you're preaching the message and people are putting you in jail, keep preaching the message. See, persist is a word that means, by definition, it's not going to be easy. Actually, 99% of the time that we would go to present the gospel, it wouldn't be an easy thing, would it? If it was, we would all be doing it. This place would be packed, we'd be moving down the street, there'd be, well, there are churches everywhere, but there'd be full churches everywhere. (laughs) But it's not easy. Actually, the Bible doesn't even lead you to believe that it will be, does it? That's why Paul writes things like this. Persist in it. They put me in jail. You know what I did? I said, man, it's a great thing that I'm here because now I can tell the jailers. Persist in it. When it gets tough when it gets hard when people are coming against you, stand firm. He says, persist in it, whether convenient or not. Don't wait around for the gospel to be a convenient thing because you'll never present it. That's what he say. Don't no wait around for it to be easy for you to tell people about Jesus because guess what? It will never be easy. How many people run up to you this week and said, hey, why don't you share the gospel with me?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Odds are zero of them. Last week, didn't think of anybody really before. I actually, I've been here 29 years now and I can't think of one time that somebody's come up to me and said, you know what would be great if you tell me about Jesus today? Can mm-hmm. you? See, it's not convenient to tell people about the gospel. It's not convenient to invest in people's lives. It's not convenient to make friends that don't look like you and act like you. It's not convenient to risk losing that friendship to tell people about Jesus. It's not. And Paul here is saying, you know what? When it's not, which is pretty much all the time, you need to do it anyway. Persist in it. When it's hard, do it. When they're putting you in jail, do it. Nobody's been there for the gospel here, right? And he looks at Timothy at the end of his life and he said, hey, I just want you to know, man, it's going to be hard. Look where I am. I'm in jail. I'm writing this letter from jail. They're about to kill me for preaching the gospel because they can't get me to shut up. They've sold me. they put me in jail. They've handcuffed me to walls and they can't get me to shut up. So now they're just going to kill me. You do the same thing. It'll be fun. And he goes on. He says, rebuke. This is a word meaning sharply disapprove of someone's actions or behavior. This is the one that some of us feel like is our spiritual gift. (laughs) I'm great at this. Thank you. If you could have put this one on down, like on up the list, that would have been an amazing thing. Paul, actually, why didn't you start out with rebuke? That's me. I can get that. I'm not going to share the gospel, but I can rebuke. It's a good thing. I'm great at criticizing. And here it seems like, right, he gives permission to do that. But remember, it's second on the list. Until you do one, don't worry about two. It's okay to look and be honest about sin is what he's saying. It's okay to look at your brother or sister or even mom and dad sometimes. It's okay to look at those around us and and warn them when harm is coming. Actually, doesn't God do the same thing to Cain? He says, man, your heart's getting out of control and you're about to do something crazy. Sin's gonna kill you. Sin is dangerous, it's real, and you're gonna do something bad and you're just a he doesn't follow through, He kills his brother. What if God would never say that? Never wondered. You didn't tell me to could kill him. He didn't warn me anything. See the truth is, Paul gives Timothy and your permission to be honest about what sin is and what it looks like and what it does. That's that's the truth. But but when he says rebuke, he doesn't mean go and talk to someone else about it. It's okay to sharply disapprove of someone's sin. It's okay to do that to them. It's not okay to do it to this person this person. That's called gossip. That's what we get off board, right? So even if your thing is to rebuke, you've got to make sure you do a rebuke and the constraints of the Bible. It's okay to be honest about sin. But that isn't where the list stops, is it? He says rebuke, but then look what he says. This is a list. This is not a a one-time moment where I get to pick the ones that I like. It's great that you're rebuking. It's great there. But then the second thing is correct. This is this is a train. This is cars linked up to one another. Rebuke is the first one. Hey, sin is bad. Sin will kill you. You will die. You will not be with Jesus, or you will not be fulfilled in Jesus. That's you can do that. But then it says to correct, to offer a person the way out, to give them another option. Man, uh, this is what's going on. It scares me to death, and I'm so worried for you about this. This is what God says. This is what, Let's go together, actually. This is where we should go. This says, Timothy. Your job is not to drop in town to town and tell people how they're sinners and they're going to hell. Some churches have forgot this. We go held up signs, and we're very honest about sin. This is what God says. This is what God says. This is what God says. We're not honest about the other parts. So there are things that God says are wrong in the Word of God, and that's okay. God said it. You didn't say it. But God at no point in time ever said, but you know what? If that's you, you're out of luck. You're out of hope. You're done. It's actually why Jesus came, right? The only reason you can be here this morning, the only reason you can show up, the only reason God can talk to you this morning is because Jesus showed up and when He did, He didn't show up to the world to say, you know what, I can give you, I just wanted to let you guys know you're all going to hell. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a great Savior? <coughs> but that's what the church does,
1: right?
0: But Jesus came to rebuke to be honest about sin but then he also came to offer a way out to correct and that's what he says here for timothy to do just follow what jesus is doing oh and then he says oh by the way to encourage you know how you can get away with rebuking if on the other side of it you encourage you don't know how to get punched in the face just come with rebuke I'm not going to take it well. They're not going to take it well. Your neighbor's not going to take it well. That's how to not let that work. When you encourage, when you bring hope into the situation, when you give them a way out, and then you say, you know what? Not only am I going to show you the way out, I'm going to be here with you, and we're going to walk out of it together. That's when you get away with it. That's what we say in Timothy. Hey, when you go into these places, when you go into these churches, Paul didn't pull punches. Read Revelations. No, you didn't write Revelations. Read one of those other books that he wrote to the churches. He didn't pull punches. He told them, you know what, Colossians? You're, you're screwed up. You know what, Corinthians? You're, you're messed up. You don't see Jesus or follow Jesus way you're supposed to. You. Then he said, here's how to do it. And by the way, I'm on my way. I'm sending whoever. Because we're going to walk out of this together. See, this is, the recipe for, this is the recipe, actually, for problems in the church, that we come together and say, man, I'm so worried about this in your life. This is not a thing that we want to do. Well, let's change this into this thing, and I'm going to be here with you, and I'm going to love you, and I'm never going to tell that person or that person or that person or that person between you and me we're going to walk out of this together. Amen. And that's what he gives Timothy here permission to do. But I want you to see, again, this is secondary. Playing the message is number one. he says in 3, For a time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine. Who's they? They the church. There will come a time when they will not tolerate sound doctrine. What he's saying is here, they won't hear what the Bible says anymore. But according to their own desires, according to what they want, they will accumulate teachers for themselves because they have an itchy ear to hear something new. This is what he says. It doesn't say they'll quit coming to church, does it? He's talking about the church. It doesn't say they'll refuse to go to church, does it? It doesn't say that. You know why? Because he's talking about the church here. He's talking about me and you here. What he's saying is, man, guess what? There's going to be a time, Timothy, when they're going to quit listening to you. You're going to be trying to preach the Bible. You're going to try to talk about the Bible. You're going to be trying to talk about the truths of God's Word. You know what they're going to want? More jokes. they are going to want you to be funny. You know, they're gonna want—they're gonna want something new. They're gonna want you to talk about like relationships. Wouldn't that be fun? If we could all be better moms and dads, and we could all be better than brothers and sisters. Wouldn't that be cute? It would, but I would talk very little about that. See, they want to hear something new. They want to hear something fresh. They're tired of the cross. They're tired of the tomb. They're tired of all all these great things that we should press into. They're tired of discipleship. They want something else, Timothy. They're going to want to hear something else. And what I'm telling you is you're not going to be popular. They're not going to huddle around in masses. There's not going to be this mega-church movement around you, Timothy. You're never going to be in a mega-church. Because there's a time coming, and it's now here, All they want is more teachers. All they want is more stuff. We live in the moment of more teachers and more stuff. I'm not saying all that's bad. There are some great teachers out there. I throw into a lot of those teachers out there. But there are some, that, man, they'll stand up and they'll try to read this thing or say they read this thing. And there's nothing about this thing and what they're saying. There's nothing about Jesus or grace or love and what they're saying. There's some of it where they'll ignore sin completely and be like, it's not a big deal, it's not a thing. Well, guess what? You're dead if you're still living in sin. You're dead if you're still, you you don't need a Savior if you're not a sinner. That's the truth of the Word of God. And it's not a popular message, and it's not maybe even for some people a good message, but it's a true message. And he's saying they, they won't want to come to you if you tell them the truth. They won't want to come to you if it hurts to hear the glory of God. They're not going to want to come to you if it's a struggle to be there. They're not going to want that. You're not going to be popular, and there's never going to be a mega church around you, Timothy. But here's what he says, and I love this. persist. For a time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine but according to their own desires, they will accumulate teachers for themselves because they have an itching ear to hear something new, it says in 4, they will turn away from hearing the truth. They're going to walk away from hearing the word of God. They're not unwanted. These are Christians, quote unquote people. These are church, quote unquote people. These are people that say they're the people of God but they're going to turn away from the truth of God, and this is what he says, and they will turn aside to myths now myths are not they're going to turn around and follow Zeus it's not what he's saying but they're going to turn around they're going to follow stuff that's not actually biblical stuff they're going to come to church and they're going to hear things that are not things from the word of God and they're going to be like man that's crazy I love the church false things fanciful tales but he says this in 5 but as for you in other words don't worry about that but as for you keep a clear head about everything know what you are doing Keep your mind focused on the thing you're supposed to be focused on. Keep your brain aimed at me. It says, actually, endure hardship. I love this because endure is that word that's beautiful from last week where it means suffer patiently. Suffer hardship patiently is what he's saying. what he's saying to Timothy here, this protege of Paul, this guy who would now take on the mantle of Paul and continue to build the church in that way, he says, it's going to be hard. It's going to be rough. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be like a paved way for you the whole time, but I just want you to know, suffer patiently. Do the work of an evangelist. Here it is again, just in case we didn't catch it the first time, and just proclaim the message. And, and tell people about Jesus. Travel around, the, go places to tell people about Jesus with a specific aim to tell people about Jesus. Do the work of an evangelist. And he says this, fulfill your ministry. Those words means complete. I love this moment here because in this moment we actually see that not everything is roses, right? Some of us bought into this tale somewhere along the line where if we just say this magic prayer and we sprinkle some tears over the altar and do that thing that like everything's going to be okay and like nothing's ever going to happen bad and then bad stuff happens in our life. We're like, hey, i got to get out of here because I must not know Jesus or something's wrong or Jesus is broke or he doesn't see me because you know what, this is hard and I must be doing it wrong. I'm just giving up. But here in this moment, Paul looks at Timothy, Paul, a man who's endured hardships, looks at a man who's about to endure hardships, and he says, you know what, the Christian life is not easy. It's actually hard by definition. I just want you to know it's not easy to speak around here. So, I just want to say to us together this morning, if you're going through something hard, man, that doesn't mean that God's walked away. It doesn't mean that God doesn't see you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't hear you. It doesn't mean that he's ignoring you. It doesn't mean really anything other than part of being in this body is it's hard. It's hard with Jesus. It's hard without Jesus. There's things that are going to come in life with Jesus. There's things that will still come in life without Jesus. But it's Timothy here, and he says, you know what? When those things come, when people don't come, when, when it doesn't look okay, when your ministry is not like cooking, like you think it's going to cook, when people aren't listening to you, when they reject you, when they throw rocks at you, when they put you in jail, I just want you to know, man, that it, it's going to be okay. Keep a clear head. Remember that you're walking towards Jesus. Endure the hardships. And keep telling people about Jesus. And I love this. Fulfill the ministry. See, the thing amazing to that about me is like we said last week, at the end of your life, there is this very real possibility that you can stand before God and look him in the eye and say, I've done everything you said to me. Some of you guys have give up on that. You know, I can't, I can't follow Jesus. I can never, never do anything significant in the kingdom of God. I, I've already messed up. I'm already too old. I'm already whatever. But the truth of it is, today, there's still a very real possibility because you are still breathing. And you can go and you can do what Jesus has laid before you. And at the end of that, you can look him in the eye and you can say, just what Jesus says, man, it's finished. Done it all done everything you wanted me to do and now I'm ready to leave this place and go with you. I would much rather leave that way with you than I didn't do anything. Man, I never even tried because I was beat before we started. Man, I didn't think I could be significant in your kingdom so I never lifted a finger in your kingdom. Man, I didn't think that I I would ever matter so I never even tried to matter. I didn't think I could touch anybody so I never even tried to touch anybody. I never thought I could win anybody to you so I never even tried to win anybody to you. I never thought I'd be able to present the gospel so I never even tried to present the gospel. You want to stand before God and say, "Man, you didn't make me smart enough, so I never said anything." But what did He say? they go to help me." Man, I never thought I could be significant in Your kingdom. Well, did you ever try? I never thought I could fill a gap or either an I never thought I could be in the in in the place. I never thought I could do anything. Well, did you ever try to do it? You ever try to meet the needs? You ever try to step into place? You ever try to do anything significant? Because odds are you probably could have because God made you and created you and formed you and you put something in you that's useful. I didn't know He made them. I didn't know that. So the reality is, whether it's a very little picture in your eyes or a very big picture in your eyes, God can and will use you. If you'll just say, Here I am. Paul looks at Timothy and says, hey, it's going to be rough, but you can do it. I picked you. I chose you. I placed this burden on you because you can do it. So do it. And he says this in 6, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. What he's saying is I'm done. I'm done. The cup's already tipping over, man. I'm, I'm, I'm on the last few drops here. I've done I've offered up everything I got to offer up. I've given my whole life. I'm I'm down to the very last bit of the cup here. And I'm about to leave this place. is what it's saying. But in the time of my departure, it's supposed in seven he says, I've fought the good fight. Now by definition a fight is hard, right? But here Paul is saying, I fought the good fight. Paul, who has been stoned, who has been imprisoned, who has been mocked, who has been ridiculed, who has been abandoned. And who is now sitting in jail, like maximum security, on death row. He writes to Timothy says, I fought the good fight. What he's saying is, man, it was hard. It was rough. It was good. It was worth it fought the good fight. Can you imagine being able say those words at the end? He says, I've finished the race. I've crossed the finish line. I, I, I saw the goal and I ran towards the goal and I ran through the tape. I just did that. I just crossed over out of everything I was going to do that God had set out for me. I just finished that race. Everything God had on my plate, everything God told me to do, all the churches He told me to plant, all the people He told me to tell, I've done all that. And man, I just broke through that red tape and I just want you to know it's a pretty amazing moment over here. I finished, done running. And then he says this, and I've kept the faith. And you know what? I still believe. I'm sitting here in jail, chained to a wall. Nobody really much can come see me and, and I'm still believing. They're about to kill me and I'm still believing. Isn't it crazy that nowhere in that did he say, man, I wish I would have done this. Man, I wish I would have never started. Man, I wish that I would have visited this place or I wish that I could have whatever. He didn't say any of that. He said, done, done, done. No regrets here in the passage. No, I feel like I missed out here in the passage. No, uh, man, I I, I wish that this thing could have happened. He doesn't seem to, to have any of that. And then he says, in the future... I'm going to leave this place there is reserved for me with this with my name on it a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will give me on that day and not only to me but to all those who have loved his
1: people
0: so you're up <coughs> this is a fought really good fight it was a fight it was hard it was good I finished the race I'm done I'm at the end. And I've kept the faith, and I just want you to know like, there's, there's coming in a very short amount of time this moment where God is going to bring a crown with my name on it And He has for me, it's reserved in heaven for me, and He's going to put it on my head. God Himself is going to place that on me. And this is the moment right here, right? Like, this is the I just won the race moment, right? This is the I just. Wrote through the tape at the Olympics moment. This is the, I'm standing on the number one spot on the box moment, and my national anthem is playing, and here comes the the guy, but the guy's God, and he has a crown for me, and he's about to put it on my head. God is himself going to drop that thing on there. And from that moment, from that spot, this is the perspective of the letter. He's saying, come on. at the end of his life when Paul is about to die and everything that he could possibly do is done. He's looking at Timothy. And he's not looking at him with regret or I wish or don't do this. He's looking at him and he's saying, man, come on. Now I'm I'm sitting here in jail and I'm telling you to, to do what I did. Come try to get here. I'm sitting here on death row and I'm just saying to you, Timothy, try to get here. Do everything you can to get here. Man, they they put me in jail for preaching the gospel, and I'm just saying, man, it's pretty great in this room right now. They're going to take me out back here in a little bit, and they're going to knock me out of this world. And I just want you to know, man, come on, it's pretty great from this perspective. See, to me, that's amazing. To me, that's great, because here's the thing. Some of us still have in our minds somewhere along the line that if we do this Jesus thing, if we follow Jesus, if we run toward Jesus, we give whatever it is up, that we're going to somehow miss it along the line. But here Paul is, who lived years and years and years and years outside of Jesus, and then Jesus showed up, the resurrected Savior showed up, and he did an amazing thing in his life, and he changed him forever. And then at that moment, everything didn't get great and awesome. Everything got really rough. Paul used to be the guy that would hold people's coats if they killed people. Paul used to be the guy that would drag you out of your house into jail for following Jesus. And then the table slipped, and he got persecuted for Jesus. Like, you've never been there. I've never been there. You don't know what it's like for somebody to try to kill you for saying you believe in Jesus. But this is the life of Paul. This is the everyday reality of Paul. People reject Paul. People talk about Paul. People run Paul out of town. Paul was almost killed several times before this thing ever happened. And from this perspective, he looks at him and he says, you know what? That's okay. And I'm okay with every time I've been hit, I'm okay with every time I've been beat, I've been I'm okay with every time I've been mocked, I'm okay with every time I've been rejected, I'm okay with all of that, because from this perspective, from this point, from this spot in prison, I'm just telling you, man, I'm about to meet God and with a clear conscience and with a full heart, I can look at him and say, man, I've done everything you had on my board. I checked every spot, I checked every box. It was never about going to church. It was never about just singing the songs. It was never about just reading the Word. It was never even about just studying. It was actually never even about any of of the stuff that I did. It was just about you. And this man that he'd been chasing after, this God that he'd been chasing after for years and years and years at this point in time, he's saying, I'm about to meet him, and I just want to say to Timothy and to everybody else, man, it's worth it. So come on. I want you to hear that this morning. Some of you guys are still, man, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this. I'd have to give up this, or I'd have to quit doing this, or I'd have to quit going here, I'd have to quit saying this, or I might even have to like, you know, try to read the Bible. It'd be weird. And I'm just saying, here's Paul about the die. He's saying, Come on. Man, I might have to put up with this. I might have to, I might have to lose this person or this thing or this relationship. I might have to go through this turmoil. It may get hard. It may get tough. It may already be tough. And he's saying, Come on. Come on, I'm standing on the box right now, guys. The anthem's playing, the crown's coming, and I'm just saying, this is not just for me, and it's not just for Timothy. It's for everybody who loves his appearing. Everybody who's looking for God, everybody who's trying to get to that moment, everybody who's trying to throw their life in and around Jesus, this is for you. It's not a reality for Paul because I'm a church planner. It's a reality for you because, man, you know Jesus and you love Jesus, so come on. This morning, maybe for some of us, you somehow lost sight of that. You're like, man, I said that prayer one time, and it was great, and I felt really good for about three days, and, I, you know, whatever. And it, it's been rough since then. I'm kind of done now, and I, I'm just trying to get through life. I'm going to sit here until the rapture happens or I die. I'm just waiting on it. And here, Paul is saying, no, 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 you need to run. It's not about sitting in a chair. It's about coming on. There's people that need to know, there's stuff you need to do, there's a race in front of you, and it's a good race, it's a good fight, and and it's going to be rough, but you need to come on, because it's worth it. Some of you guys, man, you've laid it down, you're like, I don't know if i want to do that anymore, I don't want to go there anymore, he's saying, come on. Some of you guys are struggling with, do I even believe this thing is real? And here Paul is saying, you know what, it is real, and I'm standing here, and I'm about to die, and it's the end of my life, and I don't feel like I missed out on anything, so you need to come on. Some of you guys never tried to do anything significant, never tried to get in the gap, never tried to make a difference in the kingdom of God, never tried to maybe even really be included other than I'm going to get there one day in the kingdom of God. And here Paul saying, No, man, you need to get in it. You need to get in the ministry. You need to get in the work. You need to get in the stuff. You need to do something. You need to tell people. You need to get involved. You know what? Because it's worth it. You need to try to get here. I'm in jail. They put me in here because I'm not going to shut up about Jesus. They're going to kill me because I'm not going to shut up about Jesus. You need to try to get here. You need to run. You need to come. You need to do whatever it is. Tell whoever it is that you need to come here. You need to try to get persecuted. You know what? It'd be awesome if you could get persecuted. You know why? Because when you get persecuted, you're going to know that you're doing everything you can do to follow Jesus. You need to come on. There's nobody you can't tell. There's nobody you can't share with. And there's nobody, nobody on this planet that you can't invite into the kingdom of God with you. Come on. As you're running, grab people. Come on. It's great. Get here. And this morning, I just want us to hear that together. And I want us to maybe even respond to that together. Let's do something about it. What, what do you have to lose? Where is coming to the church and sitting there getting you? How happy are you with that? Where is being far away from God getting you? How happy are you with that? Where, where is struggling in your life just trying to make it and, and trying to get kind of arms from God? Where is that getting you? How happy are you with that? the truth of it is, I mean, you run the risk of living a very insignificant life that nobody's going to notice when you come on this planet and nobody's going to notice when you leave this planet or you can get into the game, you can get into the plan of God and you can make a difference if you're okay with being a blip on the radar, if you're okay with being a smoke by in history, you keep doing that but man, if you want to do something, if you want to make a difference, if you want to take people with you if you want to see God do something in this place man, you've got to get engaged with what he's doing you can come and sit It's fine. You come and be involved. You come and do something. You come and make a difference. You come and learn. But this morning, I just want you to know if you don't, it's not because God didn't invite you. God gave you everything you need. God packed in you everything you need to remember gave you everything you need to make a difference. Maybe your list is different than Timothy's list. I think it probably starts with the same thing, to find the message. Maybe for some of you, the things that come after that are different. But I just want you to know, whatever that is, you can sit there in a the chair and you can get involved with what God's saying and doing. You can see God do something amazing. Either way, He's saying at the end of this thing, you're going to stand before me. As God is the witness here today and Jesus who judges the living and the dead is the witness here today who's, you know, coming back. And by the way, it's his kingdom now. If that God is standing here, I just want to lay this burden on us. Just like Paul gave to Timothy, I want to place this sweet thing on you and say, hey, you know what? God's trusting you with this. Whatever it is, he's saying make a difference. Do something. Reclaim the message. Be on board, and, uh this man on this box, looking back over all that stuff, is